It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Today, Bengals fans, we conclude our quarterly review of the Cincinnati Bengals 2020 schedule, including their second and final primetime game of the season at home this time, Monday Night Football against the Steelers. That is our game of the quarter, but James, we should give some lip service, some acknowledgement to the Cowboys game, also in Cincinnati, part of a two-game homestand as they finish up with three of their last four at home. The return of Andy Dalton to Cincinnati and generally a team that on paper looks pretty good, but the rivalry game takes a cake. We avoided talking about the Steelers yesterday. We have to do it today. Before we talk about the Steelers though, James, how about Thaddeus Moss going on record and saying that the reason he went to Washington instead of coming to Cincinnati, who did call, we learned today, or New England, where Bill Belichick has coached some of the more prolific tight ends of the last generation he said, I'm going to Washington because they called me first. I don't buy it. I, I don't buy it for one second that that's the reason. Because why would you pick the Washington Redskins over Bill Belichick and the Patriots or potentially reuniting with former LSU teammate Joe Burrow? So I don't buy that that was the only reason. It might be because the Redskins, from a roster standpoint, are third on that list. Right? It might be a money reason behind it as well. Who knows? But uh, I, I do think it's interesting that after really months of speculation, could the Bengals add one of Joe Burrow's LSU teammates to the roster? It turns out they tried to with an undrafted free agent in Thaddeus Moss. And they might have tried throughout the draft as well. And, and the value or the players just didn't fall the way they wanted them to. But instead, it's T. Higgins being the offensive guy that goes along with Joe Burrow. And at least they took a swing at Thaddeus Moss. That's a guy that... We all thought made a lot of sense, and there was a lot of surprise, even. You know, even Paul Daner, the, the beat writer for The Athletic, was a little surprised that Thaddeus Moss ended up elsewhere. And for a while, we thought, oh, they didn't even try. What are they doing? Well, it turns out they tried, and they were either too slow to call him, or or maybe he got a little more money, or maybe he thinks he's got a better path to the roster in Washington. And we talked about those tight ends yesterday. They don't look very promising, so there is some reason to buy that. So... That out of the way, that, that's the only real Bengals-related headline I saw today. Let's talk Steelers Monday night, December 21st in Cincinnati. Second time they'll play the Steelers in 2020. Monday night football. In years past, Bengal fans would look at this game, and, and if they're anything like me, they'd say, you know what, I might just skip that one. You know, <laughs> I, I might skip the primetime game. I might skip the Bengals getting beat up by the Bengals, but this year with Joe Burrow, with Zach Taylor, with the new guard, 
I think that fear is gone, and there's an entirely new chance to prove we can hang in primetime games. We can hang with the big dogs. They don't scare us, and Joe Burrow brings that confidence to this team. Absolutely he does, and I think that that's really the measuring stick here. No one's truly expecting, at least I'm not expecting, the Bengals to make a postseason run this year. I think that's extremely unrealistic. What I am expecting is for them to go into or finish out the season strong and have us feeling optimistic going into 2021. One of the ways they can do that is having a good showing on Monday night football at home, hopefully in front of a home crowd at Paul Brown stadium and doing it against the team that has just been a thorn in their side for years and years and years from 2015. Heck last year, they blew them out on Monday night football. We know what happened with Kimo von Olhoffen 15 years ago. There's just so many instances of the Steelers getting the best of the Bengals. And now that Ben Roethlisberger's 38 years old, you have the the changing of the guard, like you said, with Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow. This is an opportunity for the Bengals to show all of Pittsburgh and show the rest of the NFL that they're not going to get bullied specifically by a division opponent on national television. And this isn't your dad's Pittsburgh Steelers. This isn't your older brother's Pittsburgh Steelers, your older sister's Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a team that has a lot to prove. Juju Smith-Schuster last year showed everyone in the NFL that he is not a number one wide receiver and he really misses Antonio Brown. Meanwhile, to accompany him, they've got James Washington, a second round pick in 2018, who I think still has a lot to prove. And Deontay Johnson, third round pick last year, who was a prospect that we really liked, but is a second-year, third-round wide receiver who, again, I think has a lot to prove. To go along with them, they drafted Chase Claypool, who is giant and had a great combine from Notre Dame. (laughs) And they've been generally good in their history of drafting wide receivers, going back to Antonio Brown, you know, Plexico Burris, Antonio Holmes, Heinz Ward, all these guys that we've hated in Cincinnati. The Steelers have been good at drafting receiver. Question marks there. This time around. There are. There absolutely are. And, and even a guy like Chase Claypool, he was primarily a blocker, right? He's, he doesn't have the the production that you'd hope for in a guy that's willing to or, or able to come in and compete at a high level right away. Uh, but he does have that Pittsburgh Steeler profile where he's going to be extremely physical. But you're right. The Steelers need to find one or two guys here for Ben to rely on. Will it be a James Washington? Will it be a Deontay Johnson? I think all of these guys have talent. But they haven't emerged yet. And, and, and who knows? Juju Smith-Schuster did. But then he took a step back last year. And in, in, in a contract year now where he's out to, to show that he deserves a long-term deal, it's going to be interesting how he performs. And, Jake, the other thing here, it, running back. The Steelers are known for having dynamic running backs. <laughs> when we look back at their history, that's something they've always had. Well, who is that on this roster? Is it James Conner? Because it it looked like it a couple of years ago, but it it wasn't last year, and he dealt with injury issues as well. So it's going to be interesting from a skill position standpoint where the Steelers go and who they can rely on this season. I don't think it matters who the running back is in Pittsburgh as long as Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro can do their thing where they pull to the same side of the field and blow up the people in front of them. However, the Steelers do lose Reuben Foster. They they bring in Steven Wisniewski or Steven Wisnowski from Kansas City. Matt Filer will try to start again at right tackle. Offensive line, we'll see if it stays intact. On the defensive side of the ball, obviously the strength of this team is the defensive line. Cameron Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, TJ Watt up front. 
fearsome trio that will give the Bengals problems certainly I don't look forward to watching TJ Watt against whoever the Bengals have lined up at right tackle along with that though they do lose Javon Hargrave they replace him by trading for Chris Wormley from Baltimore not often you see those interdivision trades the secondary bolstered by Minka Fitzpatrick I think was a lot better last year but still has some questions at the cornerback position especially when confronted with the skilled players on the Cincinnati Bengals there's certainly some questions in that secondary, but I like what they've done. I mean, they've pieced it together. Minka Fitzpatrick was certainly a, a huge trade. You give up a first round pick, but I like it. I, th- I think that's a guy that's going to be in Pittsburgh for a long time and could make a bunch of plays this year and in future years against the Bengals. But I, I think you said it. The key to this matchup, at least now, how can the Bengals up front deal with in this offensive line, deal with Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt, Cameron Hayward, all these guys. Because if they can, then it's not that scary of a matchup. You're not really worried about Ben Roethlisberger and that offense as much anymore. So I, I think really the key for Pittsburgh to have the success is defensively getting pressure on the quarterback, really controlling that line of scrimmage, and then letting Mika Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden and those other guys pick off the ball and force turnover. So if you can limit that, and keep Joe Burrow upright, and it sounds cliche, but I think it's going to be extremely important in a matchup like this, then I think they, they, would, uh, they would have a shot. The Pittsburgh Steelers roster isn't as overwhelming, at least on paper, as it's been in years past. And, and so I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if going into this Monday night matchup, Bengals fans are feeling good about their chances. Yeah, we'll see what the state of the teams is by this point in the season. Injuries will play a huge part in dictating how we feel heading into the Monday Night Football matchup. Looking at that secondary, Joe Hayden has had a real renaissance for his career in Pittsburgh. He's been very solid for them, but he's 31, and I just keep waiting for him to fall off a cliff again because it looked like his career was going to be over a little prematurely after he kind of went supernova and and then kind of was a dying star. But then he he very quickly found his footing in Pittsburgh. Minka Fitzpatrick at free safety, we've talked about. He's very good. Terrell Edmonds still starting for the Steelers. One of the worst first-round draft picks in recent history was their first-rounder in 2018. I still think that that's a weak link back there. And then Steven Nelson and Mike Hilton, the other two starting cornerbacks, I mean, they're fine, I guess. But it's not scary. It, it Like you said, James, like we've talked about, it comes down to the battle in the trenches for the Bengals' offense. And it comes down to probably dealing with David Castro for the Bengals defense. And hey, you got DJ Reader for that now, right? You've got Josh Bynes. You've got these young, faster linebackers. They're clearly building their team, I think, to hang with the AFC North. And we'll find out very shortly how it plays out. We have a couple other games to talk about in this quarter. We've already talked about Baltimore, who the Bengals finished the season with. So we won't talk about that matchup again. But we do want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and talk a little bit more about the Houston Texans, with whom we did a crossover last week. Before that, James, let's talk about some built Bars, because this is probably your favorite part of the show, right? I mean, besides <laughs> when you get to see my beautiful, shining, quarantine groom face for the first time every day, you get to talk about your favorite protein bar. Absolutely, it's my favorite part of the show. Not that I don't like the other parts, but to me, when we get to spend a minute or so on built Bar, something I have each and every day they're perfect, fellas, and and ladies, if you're listening. But I know we've had a lot of guys order, and you guys are tweeting us 
I love that. I love when you tweet us and let us know. Use that promo code locked on. Save $10 on your first order. There's a bunch of flavors. So it depends on which one you like the most. I like the mint chocolate. I have peanut butter in the house right now, along with coconut almond. You can't go wrong with the built bar. You can save $10 right now. Go check out the demo box if you're not sure. You can get that for just $5 when you use a $10 discount on your first purchase. Use promo code LOCKED ON when you check out on BuiltBar.com with your first purchase. That's promo code LOCKED ON on BuiltBar.com. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's keep things rolling with our schedule breakdown. It's our Final quarter of the season that we're looking at, let's go to week 14. The Bengals host Andy Dalton and the Dallas Cowboys. Who knows? Maybe Dalton will be starting in this game. You never know. Uh, I I do think it's going to certainly be one of those games where Andy Dalton gets a a huge ovation. But whether or not that's a part of the storyline or a big part of the storyline depends on Dak Prescott and and the rest of the Dallas Cowboys. Jake, what, what stands out to you in this matchup in week 14? Well, Andy Dalton isn't going to be starting on purpose. You know, if he's starting, it's going to be something Something bad has happened in Dallas. And so while I look forward to Andy Dalton's return to Cincinnati, and I think there will be some fun elements to that, what stands out to me the most here is Dallas turns over their coaching staff and they go with Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, Mike Nolan, uh, head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, of course. And this this is a guy, Mike McCarthy spent the entire offseason working with other coaches out of work, trying to, or season, I should say, trying to get himself back into quote unquote, quote, coaching shape. He's fixing his coaching flaws, and Jerry Jones sits there and drafts CeeDee Lamb in the first round. So you got Mike McCarthy, you have Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb at the wide receiver positions to go along with Mike Gallup, Devin Smith, Ventel Bryant, Cedric Wilson, all guys that I liked as wide receiver prospects in the draft. They have a really good offensive line anchored by Tyron Smith and Lael Collins, Zach Martin. They have a quarterback that I think is really good. And no, it's it's not Andy Dalton. I'm sorry, James. I know how much you want it to be Andy Dalton, but it's <laughs> Dak Prescott, who they franchise tag and are trying to work out a deal for. They draft Tyler Beattis, who might be starting at this point at center. This offense with Ezekiel Elliott at the running back, with a good offensive line, good receivers, really hard to find holes on that side of the ball for Dallas. I think one of them might be Dak Prescott, whether or not people want to admit that. And that means he's really good, but everything around him is potentially great. I mean, Amari Cooper is a stud. Michael Gallup emerged last year a bit, and I think he's still ascending. And then we all know about C.D. Lamb, who a lot of people had as the, the number one wide receiver in this draft class. So it's uh, it's certainly a dynamic offense, and, and that is going to be such a challenge for this Bengals defense because you're going to have to go up against Dak Prescott, who's potentially playing for a new contract. Who knows what happens? Maybe he gets an extension, maybe not. And in that case, he's going to be playing for a new contract. And it's, it's really going to be one of those things where Dak is probably, if he's going into that 
on the franchise tag, going into this year on the franchise tag, he's going to want to run up the score, rack up the stats, and show he's worth $40 million per season. So this is going to be a tough, tough matchup on the Bengals' defense trying to contain all these weapons from Dallas. How about Dallas, though, man? Hitting on Dak Prescott in the fourth round, hitting on Tony Romo. I mean, they haven't had yeah. a first-round quarterback, and they've done it. It's, it's, it's actually pretty remarkable. For all the credit we give the Bengals for finding Andy Dalton, who, of course, now in Dallas, as, as everybody knows, the, the Cowboys have done a really good job of this, too. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball a little bit because it doesn't get much easier here. Demarcus Lawrence, Gerald McCoy, Dontari Poe anchoring that defensive line. Leighton Van Der Esch, a standout in 2018. Jalen Smith, who they took the gamble on in the second round, has been very good. Sean Lee still on the team, but mostly it's, it's Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch. The secondary, though, is, I guess where you have to be optimistic if you're the Bengals. They add Trayvon Diggs in the draft. They've got HaHa Clinton Dix that they pick up from Chicago. But I, I don't really know much about the rest of these corners. And after losing Byron Jones to the Miami Dolphins, if, if there's a weakness on this Dallas Cowboys team, it is, for me, the cornerback position. And this has been a theme. So either I don't know the cornerbacks in the NFL very well or a lot of the teams the Bengals play don't match up very well with the Bengals at wide receiver. It's going to be interesting because if the Bengals can give Joe Burrow time in this matchup, he should be able to carve up a secondary. You're right. I mean, ha-ha, Clinton Dix, I get it. He's reunited with Mike McCarthy. That's not scary. Xavier Woods, that's not scary. Anthony Brown, Trayvon Diggs. I like the draft pick in round two, but it's a rookie. So I, I like... That end of it, I think the Bengals wide receivers will certainly be able to win, at least on paper, against the secondary. But I like what the Cowboys did along that defensive line. Dontari Poe, Jared McCoy, both unrestricted free agents that they signed. They go get Neville Gallimore in the draft. Mm -hmm. I like that as well. I, I liked a lot of their, their draft picks, honestly. Azur Kamara, by the way, an undrafted free agent that they were able to land. Who knows if he makes the team, but the Bengals are obviously interested in him. So this is uh, this is going to be a tough matchup in the trenches and it seems like we're, we're doing this almost every matchup now. Can the Bengals up front hold up against a, a pass rush against a stout defensive line? It's going to be interesting to see, but I, I think that would be the matchup of the week if I, I look at these two teams. I mean, there's there's obvious trends, right? And weaknesses for the Bengals that we're focused on is offensive line strengths for the Bengals that we're focused on wide receiver groups. So, so naturally, we're looking, how does the Bengals' opposition match up with the Bengals' strength and weaknesses? Well, Demarcus Lawrence, every time I play Madden, absolutely destroys me. And I, it makes me want to throw my controller through the window because he has like seven sacks. But you started talking about the draft, and I just want to give a little bit more attention to the draft because I thought the Cowboys did an excellent job. Bradley and I in the fifth round, absolute technician, not a great athlete, but was dominant in the Senior Bowl game. Uh, I think that he is something at the back end of their pass rushing roster. And then Alden Smith. They went out and signed Alden Smith. So if he manages yeah. to get back into the NFL, I mean, he, he's kind of a scary guy if he's playing in week 14. Last pick I want to mention, Reggie Robinson from Tulsa could be starting for Dallas and I think will be starting for Dallas by week 14. Let's transition and start to talk about the Houston Texans who have been a thorn in the Bengals side really as long as I can remember. And we talked to Cody and John about this team a couple of days ago to 
continue our crossover event, our crossover week. We're going to talk about the matchup a little bit more today without the red and blue colored glasses, I guess you would call them for Texans fans. Uh, they, they traded away one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver, depending on who you ask, in the NFL, in DeAndre Hopkins. And those guys on Lockdown Houston, bless their hearts, tried to, to spin this into a good thing because they were too focused on throwing him the ball or something. And now they have diverse weapons in Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, and Randall Cobb. Will Fuller is still on the team. I mean, spare me, right? Like this wide receiver group got worse. The offensive line still looks solid with the retention of Laramie Tunzel to that massive contract. Still like Max Sharping playing left guard, really liked him in the draft last year. Titus Howard gets a chance to take a year two leap. They still have a great quarterback in Deshaun Watson, something that I do truly appreciate about the Texans. But this offense without Nuke, not as scary. And the Johnson brothers, Duke and David, can only do so much. We already talked about Andy Dalton potentially getting his revenge. This could be A.J. McCarron's revenge game, Jake. He's Deshaun Watson's backup. You weren't ready for that. This could be – think about it. If they play the Cowboys and Andy somehow has to start and then McCarron a couple of weeks later, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could happen. And I I think that uh, that's worth noting. Yeah. All right. It's, It's noted. Okay, let's let's talk about other things. Continue. McCarron's on the Texans. Yeah, He's on I don't the care. Texans. Great. Congratulations. You ordered your Burrow jersey. Order your McCarron Houston jersey. Is 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 anybody gonna notice that AJ McCarron is the Houston Texans backup in week sixteen or whatever? Hey, who knows? Make it, sure it just, you remind the people, James, because no it, one else is gonna remember. It's worth pointing out the, the <laughs> Bengals savior. I mean, he was once upon a time. People thought he was the savior. In Who fact, thought that? I don't want to talk that, to those people. It was. Remember, there was a. I, I still think that there's a small percentage that it would have been different with AJ McCarron. Anyways, we'll get back to the Texans roster. I'm with you. I, I can't believe they <laughs> traded DeAndre Hopkins for what they traded him for, because that's what matters here. It isn't that they traded him. Because I could see, all right, we don't want to repay, you know, pay him even more money. We have to pay Deshaun Watson. You look at it from that standpoint. Apparently, Hopkins wants to restructure his deal. Fine. You don't want to pay a receiver $22 million per? I get that. But you should get a couple first-round picks for him. Instead, they got a second-round pick in David Johnson, who looked washed up last year, couldn't get on the field the final eight games of the year in Arizona. I don't like it. I don't like it to, to pay all that money for Laramie Tunsil after you give up all those assets for him. I know Locked On Texans liked it, but I thought that was bad value as well. So I think that this is a declining roster, but Deshaun Watson to me is elite. And if anyone can get the most out of this roster, it's him. And so I think he's really, really good. And the Texans are still going to be a high-end team because of who their quarterback is. He's going to have to be Superman for, for this team to be anything. And he did it last year. Like He absolutely put this team on the back, had himself some Michael Jordan moments as a quarterback for the Houston Texans last year. But that job gets harder without DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not saying he can't do it because he's shown the aptitude to come up big in big moments. But this offense, make no mistake, has gotten worse, at least on paper. And we could be wrong by week 16, but it looks worse. Brandon Cooks is still a good player. He's not DeAndre Hopkins. Let's flip over and talk about the defense, which I I recognize four players as good players on this defense at this point. J.J. Watt, who's dealt with injuries, Whitney Merciless, Zach Cunningham, Bernardrick McKinney. 
Notably absent is, of course, DJ Reader, who's going to be playing for Cincinnati. And thank heavens that the Bengals don't have to go against DJ Reader this year. That's a solid group in the front. I don't know who these other guys, Angelo Blackson and Eddie Vanderdose, is that that's playing alongside J.J. Watt on the defensive line. They draft Ross Blacklock to play a defensive interior position. Charles Amenehu has outperformed his fifth-round draft position last year. The defense, though, not as scary as I remember it from the last time the Bengals had to deal with J.J. Watt in this Texans unit. And that's part of it, too. We talk about them declining on offense because of who their their GM and coach is and, and just making poor decisions. But you look at this defense, and it leaves a lot to be desired. We've talked about secondaries kind of being weak. No one in the secondary is that scary to me. I don't think there's anyone that stands out. J.J. Watt, you're right. He's a beast when he's out there, but he hasn't been out there. So really, this this defense, eesh. I, I mean, maybe Ross Blacklock steps up. I, I think the Bengals liked him uh, in round two and had a second-round grade on him. But this team is not a uh, not the def- defensive team that we remember from those playoff matchups in the early uh, in 2012, 2011 area. So it, it's going to be interesting to see, but I, I certainly think the Bengals should be able to put up plenty of points uh, on the Texans in a game like this. Yeah, I think this game, when it does happen, comes down to quarterback play. And it's in Houston. The Bengals have not had a good time going down to Houston, but a lot's going to change between now and week 16. We'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm not even really ready to comment on it further than we have. We talked to the Locked On Texans guys yesterday. We talked about some of the pieces on the roster today. And there's just so much time. This is end of December. It's, it's May 13th. So let's talk about another game that's happening way down in the future. We are joined by Evan from Locked On Colts coming up next. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Crossover week continues here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And let's get the Colts perspective here from Evan Sidery. Evan, I, I appreciate the time. Let's let's start with what the Colts did at the quarterback position this offseason. They signed Phillip Rivers a one-year, $25 million deal. How surprised were you, and are you excited that, that Phillip Rivers is, is making the trip across country in, to join the Colts? Yeah, at first I was kind of surprised because you see what Phillip Rivers did last year, 20 interceptions, it wasn't a good look. But the more you dive into the numbers and the more you go back and watch some Chargers games, the more you realize – that Phil Burrs is doing this in a lot of situations where he's down from behind, has a lot of pressure in his face. But then you step into a situation in Indianapolis on a one-year deal. Both sides have already said if all goes well in 2020, they want to get back together in 2021 for one final go-around. But it seems like Rivers and the Colts, I think it could be a perfect marriage here because not only the offensive line, but also the playmakers they have in place and the relationship he has with Frank Reich and offense coordinator Nick Sirianni. I think Rivers is really in prime for a bounce-back year like we saw in 2018, maybe not at that kind of level. But right near that, because I think the pieces he has, not only on the offensive line, like I mentioned there, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Anthony Costanzo on the left side there, but also you have players like Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, 
for a one-two punch in the backfield. And Michael Pittman Jr. and T.Y. Hilton as your one-two punch at wide receiver. And you also have Jack Doyle, Titan, who's always reliable. I think there's a really good chance you compare to Jacoby Brissett as well. Jacoby, for the last two months of the year, defense really just knew how to beat him, stack the box of eight or nine guys, and just make Jacoby beat you deep. And everyone knew he wasn't aggressive, so it would always just be check downs, just quick gains. And it was just a lethargic offense that just was really just bad to watch the last couple of months. And I think the Colts realized that too. They need to add more explosiveness. And Philip Rivers is a gunslinger. He's not afraid to take chances. So I think Rivers, there's a really good chance if Wright can rein back his aggressiveness a little bit and have a little less pressure on him, I think that this could go really well for both sides. There's a lot of speed when I look at the Indianapolis offensive depth chart between T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, Jonathan Taylor. One of my favorite draft picks in the late rounds of this year's draft was Danny Pinter out of Ball State. But I've got to ask you, Evan, what player addition are you most excited for on this Colts team? Because there's some good choices DeForest Buckner, Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, Xavier Rhodes. Is it DeForest Buckner or, or are you looking to one of the rookies? I think it would have to be DeForest Buckner because I think the impact he's going to have on all three levels of the Colts defense is going to be really just huge. It's going to change everything for Darius Leonard. He's going to run free even more, which is scary NFL defense with the way he's played the first couple of years of his career. It's less pressure on players like, Xavier Rhodes, of course, he's really struggled the last couple of years in Minnesota. And you also have Kenny Moore back there as your nickel. It's a really young, unproven defense. But you add in a superstar like DeForest Buckner to go with Darius Leonard for your one-two punch. The first time the Colts have had two all-pros in their defense since Bob Sanders and Dwight Freeman in 2005. So it just goes to show you how long it's been just to have this influx of just elite young talent on their defense. And the way Buckner's going to give him inside pressure, it's going to help out players in the front four as well, like Kamoko Ture, who was really going to break out year before his ankle injury, and Justin Houston, who still had 11 sacks last year, despite really being just a one-man ban at points last year. And I think this Colts front four has the chance to be really good. And it really struggled last year in the last few months of the year because with the lack of pressure, teams just going to slice them up. Jameis Winston almost 500 yards. Drew Brees only had a game where he had one incomplete pass the whole game. It, it got awful at the last part of the year for the Colts defense, but DeForest Bunner is going to change everything. I feel like he's kind of the crown jewel for Chris Bauer's rebuild here because he wants to build through the trenches. You have Quentin Nelson on one side and DeForest Buckner on one side. That's a bully right there. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a common theme with Ballard, right? He's trying to add uh, to both lines, but th- that's uh, an interesting dilemma potentially for Ballard with, with T.Y. Hilton. He's entering the final year of his deal. I know he talked about that this week, uh, I think today. Uh, about potentially uh, signing a, an extension with the Colts. Do you think that's going to happen this offseason, Evan? I do think so, yeah. I'd be surprised they let T.Y. Hilton go into a contract year just because the mutual respect on both sides and how T.Y. Hilton mentioned today, he wants to be a Colt for the rest of his career, whether it's a two-year extension, three or four. He wants to go as long as the next contract goes, and he's going to really be the Reggie Wayne as to what he was for his rookie first few years of his career at T.Y. Hilton, where Reggie Wayne was his mentor. It's going to be the same thing now for him and Michael Pittman Jr., who is going to, I think, take the torch away from T.Y. Hilton in a couple of years anyways. But, yeah, I'd be very stunned at this point if T.Y. Hilton is not going to extension. I know Chris Bowd usually gets ahead of these things once we get close to the season. So I'd, I'd be stunned if we're through training camp and T.Y. does not have a deal done. Let's talk about those wide receivers a little bit more. Michael Pittman expected to take the torch from T.Y. and be the number one receiver in Indianapolis. I think that there are a good number of people who watch the draft who think that Michael Pittman might be the better wide receiver prospect picked between 33 and 34. T. Higgins, of course, going one pick earlier to the Bengals. These guys are going to be linked for some fans throughout their careers because they were back-to-back picks and they were both available for the Bengals. 
I don't know if I necessarily see a huge division in these guys' prospects, but what do you think of Michael Pittman versus T. Higgins, or would you have been more interested in a different player at 34? Yeah, at first I was really high on T. Higgins, but I got kind of scared away with the, comp- the pro day numbers, him resting at the combine a little bit kind of turned me away. But obviously his ball skills were incredible at, at Clemson with Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball. I expect the same kind of production with Joe Burrow eventually, but his lack of separation really scared me. I know Michael Pittman had a, a four, five, two 40, but he had a really good 10 yard split. I think it was a one, five, two, 10 yard split. So he could really create separation off the line of scrimmage there. And such a reliable player. The more he went and watched USC film 2.7% drop rate per PFF, the best in college ball last year very reliable he does all the dirty work too like jack doyle and zach pascal for this colts team very good blocker and he runs a complete route tree too so i think he could be almost like a kenny galladay type of player brandon marshall where he could step in right away and be that target for philip rivers who could just you could toss down the field win 50 50 balls contested cat situations also he can win over the middle of the field he's such a tough player and the Colts always value these team captains, these high leadership character qualities. And when Michael Pittman Jr., he definitely has the capabilities of taking that torch from T.Y. Hilton just because he checks all those boxes that Chris Bauer wants in a prospect. Evan, I look at the what the Colts did in the draft, and they, they drafted Jacob Eason, obviously Jacoby Brissett already on the roster. I asked you about Phillip Rivers. And we were talking about the, the Colts earlier this week on, on Locked on Bengals, and it's kind of weird because they're certainly going for it. But Phillip Rivers on a one-year deal. Jacoby Brissett, I think we know what he is. The the Colts are one of those unique teams that are going for it without a a long-term solution, a multi-year solution at quarterback. What what is that? What do you expect that to be like beyond 2020? Could Phil Rivers potentially hang around if he plays well? Or is this one of those things where they're looking for a quarterback again a year from now? Yeah, I think if all goes well, Philip Rivers will be back with the Colts in 2021. He mentioned he wants to play two more years. And Frank Reich also, as mentioned before, that he would love to keep Philip around past 2020 if he doesn't really deteriorate physically or mentally. And they still say, and they believe, Nick Sirianni mentioned this a couple of days ago, he believes that he's still an elite quarterback in the NFL. So be interested to see how that goes this next year, because if that happens, the Colts could still delay themselves to 2022 or 2021 if they want to move up, like we saw the Chiefs do a couple of years ago, Patrick Mahomes. But I really believe that like maybe 2022 could be the realistic target date, but they seem really high on Jacob Eason. I know he's only a fourth round pick and they're not really risking anything here, but he's kind of almost like a Philip Rivers in the sense he's a prototypical pocket passer. He's a slower athlete, but they really like his mental side from everything we've heard from Frank Reich, that his processing is a lot better than they thought it would be. His checks the line scrimmage are actually impressed by and virtual meetings so far. So if Eason sits behind Rivers and, and he learns Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni for two years, it's kind of the perfect situation for Eason because he had the concerns at Washington that he did. And a guy, a quarterback guru like Frank Reich really washed those away. And Philip Rivers is going to teach him how to be a true leader too. Let's wrap up by talking about expectations for the Colts this year. The NFC, the AFC South, sorry, is suddenly a competitive division with Ryan Tannehill's renaissance in Tennessee, the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson carrying Bill O'Brien past the finish line. The AFC also boasting Kansas City and Baltimore, two teams that are that that look shaped up to be perennial powerhouses for the future. Is this a team that you're expecting to win the division and make a playoff run, or do you think they can hang with the likes of Kansas City and Baltimore in the playoffs? I do, I do, especially after the upgrades they made this offseason because. I think they slot in pretty well at that three or four spot in the AFC. I don't know how good Buffalo is going to be this year, but I trust Philip Rivers still in this Colts system more than Josh Allen. So I'd put them at three right now. And they do have the capabilities of going in 
to, I think, Baltimore or Kansas City, like we saw Tennessee do last year, like power run game. They're going to have Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Max. I could see that happening here. But in the AFC South specifically, I think Houston really took a step back here. Who knows what Bill O'Brien's doing, guys? It seems like he's trying to just ruin the ship there in Houston. And you also look at Tennessee. They didn't really do much this offseason. They kind of regressed, in my opinion. They didn't really add much. They lost Logan Ryan. They lost Jack Conklin at right tackle. I think they could be in for maybe an eight and eight, nine, seven year. Houston, kind of the same thing. And we all know Jacksonville is really aiming towards Trevor Lawrence, it seems like in 2021. I think this Colts team, with the moves they made and kind of leapfrogging above everyone else in the AFC South, I think they could be a, at least a 10 win team. I'm going to probably go like 11 and five and slot as a three C in the AFC this year. Evan, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate your optimism for the Colts. I don't know if I'm quite there with you. And I'll, I'll just go ahead and ruin my reputation with your listeners and Colts fans. I just, I'm not sure I see them hanging with the likes of Baltimore and Kansas City, but you make a compelling point. They are stacked at the running back position, so that could be something to watch. But that's going to do it for this edition of the AFC North, AFC South crossover week. Actually, coming to a conclusion with this episode, the Colts will play the Bengals this year in Indianapolis at week six, October 18th. And we'll talk to you then, Evan. I appreciate the time, guys. I'm really looking forward to watching the Bengals this year myself. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.